Thrones. Oh my god. There's dragons. You gotta watch it. You see them. There's this fight scene. Winter's coming. Winter's coming. Winter's coming. Winter's coming. Winter's coming. Winter's Mr. Kari's me. I cannot give you back your homes or restore your dead to life, but perhaps I can give you justice in the name of our Drakaris. Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew Instant Coffee episode. I'm Jason. I'm Christina. And today we are reviewing Game of Thrones, Episode 5, Eastwatch. Directed by Matt Shackman again and written by Dave Hill, who did episodes for us in Season 5 and 6. Okay, so this is an instant coffee. We're going to try to go shorter than last time. (laughs) We have so much to talk about, but hopefully we will be able to contain ourselves and save it for our full review later this week. We will go over the major plot points that happen in our areas of The Reach, King's Landing, Dragonstone, Winterfell, Old Town, and Eastwatch, but we're going to try to keep it brief. The main twists and turns, Jason, Jamie and Bronn made it out unscathed and unnoticed from the battle, the Tyrion-Jamie meeting, Cersei finds out Olenna killed Joffrey, and then she tells Jamie she's pregnant, oh my goodness, the <laughs> reappearance of Gendry, didn't know if we were ever going to see him again, Jon meets a dragon... Sam leaves the Citadel. I mean, this is crazy. What did you think of the episode? I thought it was amazing. Probably the best this season, which I know... Maybe you not, keep saying that. Maybe not everyone <laughs> will disagree with. No, I was actually a little lower than you on last episode, right, which yeah. I have a feeling might have been most people's favorite because of the... Dragons? Dragons. <laughs> the loot train battle. But this was just so intense. Every minute of it. Again, this episode left me with that last scene, my brain going, I am witnessing the best television ever made. This left me with a feeling of dread in the pit of my stomach. (laughs) Pretty much all of my favorite characters walking out north of the wall on what feels a little bit like a suicide mission. I just kept saying, John, why do you keep going there? To capture a white, to prove it to Cersei? Oh, this feels completely unnecessary. And if we lose some of my major favorite characters for that, I'm going to be really upset. Well, Tyrion came up with this. And most of the time when Tyrion comes up with a plan, I'm like, yes, he is so smart. This time I was like, maybe think about this one a little bit. And then I look to Danny, and I'm like, Danny's not going to go for this. She's already learned that she has to think twice before going through his plans. And no. I can't believe she's still listening to him. His plans have not been working out so well, and she has sort of been deciding not to listen to those clever plans anymore. So I was surprised, A, she's reluctant to even make a peace with Cersei, and now we're going to go to all these lengths and risk people that we really need to show that to her? I'm I'm confused why we need to do that. Well, we know a lot of it has got to be love, right? I mean, she's falling for John. That was clear in this episode. She was really afraid to see him go. Those are my babies, talking about the dragons. And you ever think of, you know, um, a single mom with kids meets a man and the kids like the guy? And then, you know, I'm talking about these movies, these uh, rom-coms or whatever. Mm-hmm. How smitten the mom is, like, my kids love him, you know? She's smitten now, but I couldn't help thinking this is a little of what I was wondering at. If one of these dragons is going to meet John and almost like him more, have this immediate affinity for him, and it's Drogon. 
And he does. Yeah. Let's slow it down for a second. <laughs> I was like, I want to go on on that. We have two deaths we need to recognize for the episode, and that was Randall and Dickon Tarley. A lot of people thought that Dickon would become more of a prominent character since last episode. He was given so much time. I think what they were trying to do was make his death mean more to us. I'm thinking, I think this is just me hoping, that you know they're going to ease back on the major deaths a little bit until next season. So they're like, we'll do Randall, and, and we'll make them like Dickon, and then we'll do him. Which I'm okay with, but I was a little surprised that we have this major battle last episode with no casualties. And then right off the top, we have two people die in seemingly what doesn't serve the plot so much, although it does advance what's happening with Danny's character, how Tyrion views that. We'll right. get into all of that on the full review cast. We also want to mention there are some corrections from our previous podcast that we will discuss in the full review. We don't have time here, but we do want to recognize. Thank you for everybody that wrote in. And most importantly was our comment about the Dragonglass and the Valyrian Steel and what that does to Whites and White Walkers. And again, we will go at that in length next time. I also have to say, Jason, we will discuss the title meaning a little more next time. It was Eastwatch, even though we didn't see that much of Eastwatch. But that was the anchor of this episode and basically has set up the rest of this season and possibly things to come next season. And in case you didn't remember, this is a reference to one of the castles of the Night's Watch. There were originally 19 castles along the wall, but as their numbers have fallen over the centuries, 16 of them have been abandoned. So when we start this story, only three castles are still manned. Castle Black, obviously, the Shadow Tower, and Eastwatch by the Sea. So let's talk about our major plot points. We start out in the Reach, and as we said, Jamie and Braun, they make it through this okay, and they just wash up on the shore? Yeah, right away, that's the first scene, and I'm like, oh... Okay, I guess Danny didn't go after them. Very, so odd. Very weird, and, and they're okay. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, but I guess we didn't want either of these two characters to have something bad happen to them, so again, I'm willing to go with it. And the big point here that Jamie is realizing, this was only one dragon, and she has two more. If Danny decides to use them, they're really screwed, so he's got to go back and tell Cersei about it. I love how disturbingly honest Bronn is. Oh, yeah, he's done with this battle. He's seen a yeah. dragon... He did his best, but no more of this shit. I have so much more to say about that, but we're going to try to stay away from character analysis for our instant cast. Yeah, we're just hitting the big plot points. And the other one here is that Danny is proving a point to the men she's captured after the battle. Bend the knee and join her or refuse and die. How amazing were those shots of the dragon? It was actually beautiful. Yeah. A scary and violent as this turns out to be. I love the way they made him move. It felt real. It felt like he had personality. Even when they're doing the shot, when Danny's talking to them and they're about to get burned, they show a little bit of his tail behind them. And I was like, this is insane. And he seems to respond to her because it's when she's putting out that message that he then puts a roar in. Yeah. All right, you better listen up. And at that, most of them do bend the knee, except, of course, Randall and Dickon. I don't know if you noticed it, Right when they're holding hands, the background, there's background music, and you know that sound they do every initial fire burning? Yeah. The, they did that, a but little it, bit. differently. It was a different cadence of it, but it was definitely... A, <laughs> I did God. notice that. And Tyrion trying to plea for a bit of mercy here, right? He's not really liking what's happening. We see him earlier surveying the destruction and now trying to negotiate a little bit with Danny, but she's made her decision, and so the two of them burn. And at that, certainly all of the rest bend the knee. 
Well, that leads us into the King's Landing scenes because Jamie returns to tell Cersei this is a war they can't win. He's seen it firsthand. And to that, she knows what her decision is going to be. She will fight and die then. Jamie also tells her that Tyrion was not the one to kill Joffrey. Lady Olenna confessed to it in her final moments. That's a big revelation for Cersei. Yeah, but she doesn't seem very emotional about it. She doesn't even believe it at first, right? Yeah. In the meantime, we see that Davos shows Tyrion how to get in through the secret passage in King's Landing, but leaves to see a man in Flea Bottom. We'll come back to that. And the point of all this, down in the dragon pit, we find out Bronn arranged to bring Jaime down to see Tyrion. How did Tyrion speak to Bronn ahead of time? <laughs> I have no idea. But it kind of makes sense. We were talking last time about where would Bronn's true allegiances lie if it came down to Tyrion and Jaime. Right. And he did agree to help Tyrion and arrange that meeting. And Tyrion is trying to explain about killing Tywin. This is the point of contention between them and the reason Jaime has wanted to kill him ever since then. He's still not really hearing it. But he does listen when Tyrion says the real reason he came here is to negotiate an armistice. So there's obviously still some trust there, right? Because Jaime then takes this back and tells Cersei about it, puts it forth as a real plan. As upset as he kind of was with Tyrion, this could be a link that maybe helps forge a peace. I still don't know how much I believe in that. I don't believe Cersei's even going to toy with the idea. I think maybe we'll show up, but uh, she'll have different plans than just talking. Yeah, she kind of told Jamie that she knew about this meeting ahead of time that was set up between Tyrion and Jamie. Yeah. And she understands that they need to make temporary peace with Danny, but only so that they can fight her from within, the way Tywin would do. So basically like the Trojan horse? It sounds like cause she's realizing that maybe Jamie's right. They can't go at her head on. She's just got too strong of an army between the Dothraki and the dragons. Maybe her seeing the actual white will change her mind? That's what they're all hoping. But to me, that seems so unrealistic. And Tyrion knows her. How could he possibly think after all this? She, she has a one-track mind, and I think she always will. Furthered by what she tells Jamie in the next moment, that she's doing all of this not only for them, but for their unborn child. Do you believe her? Oh, boy, I do not. Do you? No, I don't. The face she made when she hugged him, I don't see it. She's just manipulating him. A hundred percent, and I've been saying it repeatedly, if this doesn't get Jamie to realize, if this doesn't get Jamie to realize, he's clearly so brainwashed. I think he believes it, which is really sad. Yeah, he does believe it. And he's right back under her shadow. She's got him. Yeah, but she seems like she has some more plans up her sleeve now, more of the traditional scheming that she's comfortable with. And while this is happening, we see where Davos went when he left Tyrion. He's in Flea Bottom looking for a man in the blacksmith shops. And Jason, can you believe it? It's Gendry. You knew it before it even happened. I did. <laughs> Who else would he be looking for in Flea Bottom in a blacksmith shop? And there is a serious fan service line here. <laughs> I still like it. He says, I wasn't sure if you'd be here. I thought you might still be rowing. Yeah, you, you cackled out loud. You're like, wow, that's for the fans. <laughs> Everyone who's been saying, where has Gendry been all of these seasons? Is he still out there rowing in a boat? Mm -hmm. We've seen many memes about that. It was hysterical. And he says he's pretty much been here unnoticed this whole time. He looked pretty different, didn't he? 
Yeah, he's older. He's grown up, thinned out. I love what Davos says. Everyone's safe. I don't know. I don't remember exactly. It was something like, everyone's safe until they're not, mm. basically. They'll find you eventually. But that's fine with him. He's ready to go. He says he's been waiting all this time and he just didn't know what for. I thought this was a little convenient for plot, that Gendry is ready and raring to go the right place at the right time. He's also got this war hammer that's just like the one Robert used to use in battle. Well, the Double Ds always said they wanted him back. They had plans. They were actually going to bring him back either season six or season five, but it just didn't fit. But they also knew that they wanted Gendry to be there for the big battle. And this is how they were able to put his storyline into Jon Snow's storyline. And I love it. I'm calling out loud while we're watching these episodes. I could just also see the point for the fans out there who say the timeline is moving really quick and it feels like there's characters and points being thrown in. It was such a long, slow burn. But I also kind of think that's what makes the last two seasons exciting. Maybe we don't have to exactly play by the rules the way we used to in order to build some momentum and tension. Davos brings Gendry out to the beach where they're stopped by these soldiers, and he nearly talks them out of this. We'll get into that more. I love Davos. He's so slick. His smuggling ways are coming out, right? This is what he used to be really good at. Yeah. But that is until they recognize Tyrion. It's game over, but Gendry smashes them with the hammer. He can do some damage with that thing. Well, yeah, it's really heavy. Well, it's really top-heavy. So once you get that momentum going, it's pretty good. I was wondering why they didn't take their money back. I was like, take, their, take your money back. Oh, that's true. Yeah. He gave them a lot of gold dragons there, right? 15 apiece. They have bigger things to worry about, I guess. So Davos says, this is Gendry. And Tyrion says, he'll do. Over at Dragonstone, we get a quick scene where Tyrion tries to rationalize Danny's actions to Varys, who says he used to do the same thing with the Mad King. Just keep telling myself it's not me doing it. Yeah, and I still, it was too quick of a scene to figure out what Varys is up to, if anything. He basically just tells Tyrion, you have to find a way to make her listen. Stop this madness of burning them all. You know, Varys, I'm waiting for him, just like how we got Littlefinger this episode. He's starting to strike. I'm waiting for something with Varys. I know. And then they just keep doing the five-second interactions. You can't really tell what he's up to. But we did get more on the Littlefinger front, which we'll talk about in a second. The big news at Dragonstone, as we said, is that John meets Drogon. Was this your favorite moment of the episode, Jason? By far my favorite moment, <laughs> of course. Well, it was so cool because in the trailer for this episode, they made him look angry at John. But it was actually a much more touching scene. The way the dragon landed, it's just like meeting a dog for the first time, you know? And it comes up. I guess his version of sniffing <laughs> brings his head down. That shot was amazing. You didn't I say last time I think this is a dragon hello? Yeah, you did. And Jon Snow standing there. I was like, wow, this dude is one confident dude. He has balls. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'd be able to do that. He puts his hand out to touch him. You see the teeth. And then when he's petting him, they show his eyes. And it's so similar to when you know, you're with your dog or cat. It's late at night, you're watching TV, and they're laying with you, and you're petting them. That look in their eyes, like a snuggle, you know, a loved look. Yeah, you watch the transformation. So at first, maybe you startle your dog, and they go on alert. Yeah. So his scales are raised yeah. on the back of his neck, but then as he turns, and you said his eye starts to kind of calm. And I was amazed at the instant trust and affinity 
that yeah. Drogon showed to John, it is as though there's an instinctual connection between them that the dragon recognizes. Now, if Danny flew him over to John, right? Yeah. So she wanted them to meet, but the look on her face with how Drogon was reacting, it was definitely surprised. Yeah, she was nervous at first, but I think this was kind of a test for John, right? Yeah, but I didn't I don't think she saw it going this way. No. <laughs> and I was wondering if she was even maybe going to be taken aback. I think that maybe these are for, her babies. For and, a second. You yeah. Know? But all I think it did is solidify those little feelings she had of, well, feelings for him. Yeah. My baby trusts him. And I've been feeling like I can trust this man. And maybe that was the catalyst to her saying, I'll, <laughs> I'll put my needs, what I've been working on for so long on pause to help you in the North. And we certainly didn't think she was going to do that, right? At least not this quickly. First in the conversation, John is sort of admitting to her that he doesn't like the way she's going about it. Danny knew he wasn't going to like it. She says, we both want to help people, but we can only do so from a position of strength. And sometimes strength is terrible. Also key here, you don't want to miss this comment, that she starts to remark on Davos, saying John took a knife for his people. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And they get interrupted again. <laughs> that's that's got to come out. And I thought it would happen before John left to go north. Do you think that'll put her out? I think that's going to make her a lot more trusting and okay. believing in him. Although maybe not such a good campaign when you're telling people that you're fighting against the army of the risen dead to say, hey, by the way, <laughs> I died and was brought back. I mean, you know, I don't know that many people are going to get the distinction that he's different. That, that might scare some people. We move right on from that. There are a bunch of reunions happening at Dragonstone. It seems like Dragonstone is the place for people to meet back <laughs> up this season. First, the reason they're interrupted is Jorah is back. He tells Danny he's cured, ready to serve her again. How did that scene make you feel? Oh, too quick. Again, all these hmm. things we've been waiting so long for, it's exciting to get them all in one episode, but then you sit back later and think, oh man, I, I wish it hadn't happened so fast. We blew right past all that fun stuff, the warm and tingly moments, and we don't hmm. get many of them on Game <laughs> of Thrones, and we're right back to the fear factor. He does look great, though, doesn't he? He does, and he's back to feeling like he has a purpose in life. For sure, but I, I, I would have at least gotten a little comfortable before I said, yeah, I'll go over to the wall. I know, but that's what I mean, right? The only thing that's really ever mattered to him is being able to serve her. Once he came over to her cause, he believes in her wholeheartedly. Yeah. So if this is a way he can do that, he's game for it. But yeah, it's there's certain things that are convenient, like Gendry's really game for it. Let's all go on this mission north of the wall. Well, I don't even mean convenient. I mean, he's crazy. Oh, yeah. He finally is well, reunited with her and he's going to leave again. Yeah. So like we said, Danny reluctantly agrees to this plan that Tyrion suggested to go get a white, bring it for Cersei to see. <laughs> I still don't like this at all. But she reluctantly says goodbye. You know, she's saying goodbye to both her men, right? Jorah, her trusted advisor. Yeah. John, her new advisor. Davos is leaving. I can't wait to discuss further the way Danny was reacting to when Jon Snow said he was going to go past the wall. Mm. There's also a lot to be discussed in Winterfell, but I think we can hold off on that till next time, just to say that Littlefinger is back up to his old tricks. We'll keep that on ice. Arya tried to 
spy him out, but maybe he got the upper hand. I just want to say, I knew the whole time he knew she was there. Yeah, he's he's not dumb. And there's also already tension brewing between Sansa and Arya all on their own. And this is absolutely his plan to cause more problems between the two of them. So I think it's going to be effective, unfortunately. Absolutely. That's Littlefinger's way. They open that scene up with Sansa getting, I guess, yelled at or <laughs> yelled to. Mm. And I was like, why are they all of a sudden freaking out on her? Yeah, we had a question of, did they find out that John now wants to go on another mission and leave them? Or is this just still the same old, no. John should be here because he's think king in the north? This is Littlefinger. So Sorry, he I'm had shit. already been talking to them and stirring up shit. And that was step one. Then step two we saw with Arya. Seems like it, because he's whispering in everyone's ears. We see him talking to the lords, the serving girls. But more on that next time. Let's go to Old Town, where Sam's listening in on this maester meeting as they read the scroll that they received about the crippled boy who claims to have seen dead men north of the wall. If you had your eyes closed, wouldn't you have told me, oh, it's a bunch of drunk people at a bar talking shit? Just the way they were so cavalier about everything. Not that they sounded drunk, but the banter didn't feel like, you know, the knowledgeable maesters discussing stuff. Yeah, I think what you're sensing is they are so detached. They feel as though they're above all of the happenings of the Seven Kingdoms. Yeah. And it's part of their job to stay removed from that and to just be in a place of knowledge and advising based on what they know. And I think that's made them a little bit callous to actual danger. They've kind of seen it all before. They've read it all before. Yeah, or that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I kept thinking this reminded me, and work with me here, of Harry Potter and the Ministry of Magic. Oh, yeah. When they were in denial that he who shall not be named is alive. Yeah, they don't want to believe it. Yeah, that's what I felt like. Sam was Dumbledore telling him, it's true, I've seen it. He was doing his damnedest. He was saying, you guys have real power. If you told them the threat is real, they would listen. You could advise the lords to send men north to the wall. You could search out every scroll you have about the long night until you find something that tells us how to defeat them. We can actually help yeah. here. You know, He's trying to rally them. And you think for a minute that the Archmaester may be on his side. But he immediately kind of flip-flops that to say it could be a ploy by the Dragon Queen. And basically what he's willing to do is write to Maester Woken at Winterfell for clarification. I have to say the look on his face, though, when Sam was talking to him, it didn't feel like he was not believing him or not caring what he was saying. But I think also there's probably inner politics yes. on that table. And he has to play it in a way where they don't all just stop listening to him. I, I mean... This is probably, it's a big guess. But at the same time, I don't think he fully believes yet. No, I agree with you. I've sensed from the beginning of their interactions that there is something about Sam that he does believe. Maybe it's just that he's so earnest in the way he describes having experienced these things. And so I can't tell if I think Sam is making a mistake by leaving here. Maybe he was getting through to the Archmaester and there was more help that could have been had here. But I think Sam was getting frustrated that this is taking too long. He needs to be where the action is. The thing is, John sent him here for a reason. Mm -hmm. They don't need more people to battle. They don't need more people on the front lines. I mean, they do. <laughs> but they also need a Sam who's going to find them knowledge because nobody else can do that. I, but I think he felt like he was wasting away because he couldn't even search for the knowledge there. So he steals a bunch of scrolls 
kind of at random. Yeah, how does he even know if this is what he needs? This is his last chance to get these things. You saw he reached up to the top of one and just there was like 30 scrolls there and he just grabbed it. No, he could have at least maybe planned a couple more nights to start stealing yeah. <laughs> some long night information. I don't know. Or he should just have Gilly go with him because she seems to find the perfect book every time. <laughs> um, she certainly stumbled upon a doozy. While Sam was transcribing, she was trying to read this to him. She says, Maynard says he issued an annulment to Prince Rhaegar and remarried him to someone else at the same time in a secret ceremony in Dorne. What are the odds she finds the perfect passage, reads it aloud, and Sam is so distracted that he can't understand the importance of what he's hearing? But I think that may be registered somewhere in the back of his brain subconsciously, and later when it becomes important, he'll be able to pull that up. Now, you talked about this, was it last season? You gave us a whole breakdown on that. Yeah, last season and in the prep for this season. Now, was that book knowledge, or did you just... No, bo- both. I mean, we do know in the books, because of Bran's vision, we finally understand the true parentage of Jon Snow, that his father was Rhaegar Targaryen and his mother was Lyanna Stark. R plus L equals J. Right, that's right. But there was a couple of questions to this still of, would Jon still be a bastard? Because they weren't married. He was married to Elia of Dorne right. at the time. But now we know they were married. Yeah, well, there's also speculation, even if he hadn't left Elia, the Targaryens sometimes took multiple wives. So there still was no telling that he was a bastard, but here's an official way around this. He annulled the marriage and married her in secret, making John definitively legitimate. More of the heir to the throne than Danny. Yeah. And we had the real Targaryen. Yeah, and we had a clatcher right in. And we'll, <laughs> we won't get into that this time. <laughs> well, so Sam packs up everything in a wagon with Gilly and baby Sam, and he leaves Old Town. But not before getting one long look at the astrolabe. Yeah. And, and I have that some thoughts something. about that, too. Yeah. You know, he does say something that kind of made it feel better that he was doing that. His last words on the scene was, I'm tired of reading about the achievements of better men. I thought that was very telling. He's brought enough books, he believes, to find out. He's gotten into the maester's ears as much as he can. And now he's ready to be the one that is written about. Right, but this is his purpose, isn't it? I mean, what is he going to do at the wall? I guess he'll be right there to tell John the information he has when he figures it out. I'm just nervous that it could be a mistake leaving so soon. Mm. I don't know. Our last location is Eastwatch, where we see John and the crew arrive to tell Tormund of their plans to range north and capture the White. Tormund thinks this is crazy, but he tells him there's some other people here with that same plan, in fact. And that's where they go find the Hound, Beric, and Thoros all in a cell. We were wondering where they were. Yep, and Thoros is saying they need to go north. Their lord told them so. Mistrust starts brewing here between a lot of our characters, but they manage to put it to the side. John points out, They're all on the same team because they're all breathing. Breathing. (laughs) So they set out through the wall. Again, I just can't believe this. The group of men we love most, John, Jorah, Tormund, the Hound, Beric, Thoros, and Gendry. I don't want to lose any of these people. Me neither. But we are going to lose at least one in Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. 
I mean, we've done without Gendry for a long time. I, I don't think I would feel too upset if yeah. he left. Well, let, let's go through this and, I'll, and you say if you can live with it <laughs> or okay. not. John. No, I can't live with it. Jora. No. I, say no. I, I won't. I won't like it, but I can live with it eventually. Because I think his purpose was to serve Danny. And if he dies honorably here, serving her in some way, this is all he ever wanted. But all of that for just one I thing? I know, I know. Maybe he can't be killed by a walker. That would da, be da, really da, cool. We might find something out here with that. Tormund. I really don't want to. I, I love him. I know, <laughs> I know that maybe he's expendable at this point, but I don't want to lose him. By the way, we did find out how everyone's traveling so fast, and that's because of Tormund and uh, his Wyndham rewards. He's got the points. He's got the points. <laughs> the Hound. Yeah, now you're on to the threesome, right, of the Hound, Beric, and Thoros. I don't think they're all making it out of there. Emotionally, I'm most connected to the Hound here. Yeah. But for plot purposes, I think Thoros is the most important because he has the ability, perhaps to bring another of our characters back to life if we lose them. So out of those three, I think we need Thoros the most. Hopefully next episode we get to find out what's the deal with that sword. We're going to, again, talk about that in the full review podcast, but we did get some tantalizing images <laughs> from the next episode preview. So the episode ending, behind our heroes, in front of a cloud of white, and as the camera goes up above them, what were your thoughts? What were your feelings? I said before, I'm terrified. I This feels like a really stupid mission to have <laughs> to lose so many people. I understand the point that they need to get as many people as they can on their side to fight the dead, and they also can't be split between fighting a war with Cersei at the same time. But all of these people who have been at least present to see the Game of Thrones taking place, if not key players, should understand the way this is working and what kind of a person Cersei is. Yeah. To risk so much to bring this to her, thinking <sighs> that it's going to bring her over to their side and everything will be good, they can fight together. I don't know if that's reasonable. And I'm, I'm scared now for our heroes. Me too. Now, do they have to bring him back alive? Yeah, I think they're going to have to because we saw in season one... A man of the Night's Watch trying to bring back proof to King's Landing, right? He brought the hand of one of the Whites. I believe so. Down for Robert to see. But it was, I think, rotting or decomposing by the time they oh, got there. No. I can't really remember, but it, it wasn't what they were hoping for, obviously. Can you imagine that? How do you help? They're going to have to capture it. And, and Jeez. Uh, this is just, oh, it's really not good. Well, that was a crazy episode another great one in the books there were so many things going on it was hard for us to pick out characters to put on the poll for mvb we went back and forth back and forth actually i changed it on you when you went outside um <laughs> this is a group consensus i know Jason? i panicked i was gonna hit send and i panicked i was like no i gotta change it so on our poll now you have two days to do it at ckc podcast you can vote for your most valuable bannerman we have gendry John, Sam, and Littlefinger. So an all-male cast this time. And only one bad guy, yeah, as we put it. We had Cersei, and I switched it last minute. Sorry about and that. you put John in there. I see what you did. Well, I think they all had moments 
and certainly other characters too. So if you wanted to tweet at us or email with other suggestions, we can always give it a shout out. But definitely still give your vote to the four we have up here. And we'll read the poll results on the full cast. You don't have to give your answer, Jason, but do you know who you're giving it to? No, not yet. (laughs) I don't. I have to watch it again. So we're going to try to come out with our full episode by Thursday night. So email us at CKC Podcast with any thoughts you have of the show. And we'll talk about it on that podcast. Till next time, this round's on me. This round is on me. Please hang up and try again.